Okay, so we are today studying Daf Tzadivav in Pesachim. We are at the new Mishnah towards the top of the uh, page. It looks about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, maybe about 14 lines from the top or so. Uh, this is a famous Mishnah. It says, Ma ben Pesach Mitzrayim le Pesach Torot. What is the difference or what are the differences between Pesach Mitzrayim, the original Pesach that was celebrated in Egypt, and Pesach Dorot, the uh, Pesach of all generations, the permanent Pesach, Pesach Mitzrayim, Mi Be'asor. So the most obvious dif- and first difference is that the commandment was to purchase the Korban Pesach <coughs> in Mitzrayim on the 10th of Nisan. There's no such concept in uh, Korban Pesach Lidorot that you have to purchase the Korban on a certain day. You can purchase it that day. Right? The other thing that you did that was unusual in Pesach Mitzrayim was that you had to throw the blood with a bundle of hyssop branches, a certain type of branch, on the, uh, on the mashkof, on the doorposts, right? On doorposts and on the lintel above. And they had to eat it in a state of chipazon, meaning that they were all dressed in their clothing. They had to have their shoes on. Nowadays, you wear your shoes in the house, you're going to get yelled at. But in those that you had to uh, wear your shoes and your belt and everything, meaning you're ready to go. That's v'chipazon and belayla uh, echad for one night. The Gemara is going to discuss what does it mean for one night because that's not a difference. We also only have korban pesach for one night for the you know all the time, right? Upesach dorot noeg kol shiva, but pesach for all generations is practiced for seven days. So of course the Gemara is going to say that that's, that 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 has to that doesn't have to do with korban pesach anymore. That's a different thing. So the Gemara will get to that. But the point is that the the objective here is to tell us which halachot <laughs> were particular. There were certain things obviously in uh, the pesach as it was observed in Egypt that were for all time, and there were certain elements of the. Uh, uh, of the way that they did it that were uh, only for that time. And that's what the Mishnah is talking about. So now the Gemara says, Minalan, how do we know which, you know, how do we know the first thing that it's only, how do you know that you don't have to buy your Koban Pesach on the 10th of Nisan? Where do you get the idea that that's only for Pesach Mitzrayim? Right? It says that on this, the 10th of this month, what it says, meaning at this, only this time you have to do it on the 10th. But but Pesach for all generations, we don't have such a thing. You don't have to buy it on the 10th of Nisan. Now, of course, the Midrashim say that the reason why they had to buy it on the 10th of Nisan was because it was the idol of Egypt, this uh, sheep. And and the Egyptians would see and they would say, oh, what are you doing with that sheep? It was part of the, uh, it was part of demonstrating the, their faith in Hashem and their, you know, not their their uh, courage against the Egyptians. It wouldn't be really, really be relevant for all generations, right? So it says, It also says that you have to guard, you have to watch this Korban Pesach until the 14th day of HaChodesh Hazeh, right? So, and you're saying that Hazeh, whenever it says Hazeh, it means exclusively in this case. So not only is the purchasing of the Korban Pesach on the 10th of Nisan only in the case of Pesach Mitzrayim, but you're telling, and not for the rest of any other Korban, you're saying the same thing would be true about the mitzvah that you have to guard the Pesach for four days. You have to watch it, but that's not true that that was only the Pesach Mitzrayim. But then we learned in a bright that Ben Bagbag Omer, Ben Bagbag says, Even the regular Tamid, the Korban Tamid, four days before it's offered, always has to be checked. It has to be guarded for, checked for a mum for the four days before it's offered. So they always had like a rotation. We learned about it when 
when we were uh, learning the halachot about the korban tamid, that uh, that basically they always had a rotation going with certain. Uh, so they staggered it so that there was always uh, there were always korbanot that had been watched for the past four days that were ready to be offered that day. So it doesn't only apply to the pesach mitzrayim. This idea of watching the korban for four days, the inspection of the korban for four days is something that uh, applied to the korban tamid. Because it says Tishmiru there also, just like it says Vayalachem the Mishmeret. It says Mishmeret in the Pesach, the Pesach of Egypt. And it says also Mishmeret, it says Tishmiru for the Korban Tamid. You have to watch over it and check it for four days before you offer it. Right? So it says, And it, they, they compare. In other words, Ben Bagbag learns it from the fact that it says, in Korban Tamid Tishmiru, and it says by the Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim that they had Mishmeret, right? That that means, Just like over there, it was four days before the Shechita. So you see that on the contrary, not only does Ben Bagbag not say that that Pasuk, in Pesach Mitzrayim is only for Pesach Mitzrayim. He actually learns from it to Korban Tamid that is every day. So he doesn't think that that was only a strange thing of Pesach Mitzrayim that they had to check the Korban every single day, you know, for four days prior to the uh, the offering. And on the contrary, he learns through that. It's it's a Zerah Shavah maybe because saying Mishmeret and you know Tishmeru, right? So Shanei Hatam. Right, so the that, that's different. We'll say because over there it says tishmeru. It has a special word that emphasizes tishmeru. What is it? What you don't need, really need that word if you ever notice. I mean, you know, it's like uh, in that pasuk it says what do you need tishmeru for? Tishmeru is extra word. That extra word comes to tell you a special halacha that you have to watch it for four days before you uh, before you offer it. But that might not be true in any other case. Maybe for all other korbanot, that's not true. It only says tishmeru by korban tamid. What's the answer? That we have a drasha also by korban pesach. That you should do this service in this month. Meaning that all of the avodot of this month should be like this. In other words, what you should do in the future should be just like what you did in Mitzrayim. So just like what you did in Mitzrayim was that you checked for four days, you checked the korban for four days before offering it. So too for the korban for all time, you have to do that. So then what is the word hazek come to exclude? Because we're now saying that that is not one of the things it excludes. The Mishnah only said you don't have to buy it on the 10th of Nisan, but that it has to be inspected for four days before it's brought. That you do have to do. So the, the you know, the, let's say you have a dealer, retail, uh, uh, you know, uh, retail dealer of sheep. So he will, uh, you know, the guy who sells the sheep, he'll check it for four days and then on the, on the, and then he'll sell it to you the day that you're bringing it. As long as it got checked for four days, that's all you need. You don't need that you bought it on a specific day. That's what the Mishnah is saying, but checking it you do need because it says, what we say in the tefillin every the parashat of the tefillin that you have to do it exactly like what they did in the time okay it has to be looked at inspected they inspect it every day each of the four days yeah and then well, yeah they have to check for four times four times now what does that hazeh come to tell you it comes to exclude Pesach Sheni which is more similar to actually the uh, the Pesach of Mitzrayim because the Pesach of Mitzrayim was a one day thing and Pesach Sheni is also a one day thing so that you don't need a four day checking in advance the Pesach Sheni you didn't need that that was only Pesach regular Pesach and Korban Tamid but you don't need that for Pesach Sheni Elamehatav that's true what about Elamehatav that's true what about 
when Moshe Rabbeinu said you should eat the meat on this night, are you telling me that that, that that means that only the Korban Pesach of Mitzrayim was eaten at night? But the future doesn't have to be eaten at night. It could be, it doesn't have to be, because it says Hazeh. It says, So again, it keeps quoting this pasuk. It says, The general rule, in other words, all of these are exceptions, but the general rule is that we say that that you have to do the Korban Pesach exactly as like what they did in Mitzrayim. So just like in Mitzrayim, they ate it at night, we eat it at night. So why does it say regarding Korban pe- regarding the eating of Korban Pesach. The answer is that is to, to address the issue that Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah and Rabbi Akiva discuss in Masachet Bachot actually where they talk about whether you're allowed to eat the Korban Pesach all night long or you're only allowed to eat it up to the time that Makat Bachot happened which is in Chatzot. That's a different issue but that you have to eat it at night everybody agrees. Okay? If that's true it also says no uncircumcised person Yochal Bo can eat in it in the Korban Pesach, referring to the uh, uh, the uh, Korban Pesach of that time of Moshe Rabbeinu's time. So what does that mean? Hachanami debo ino ochel aval ochel bePesach dorot. Does that mean that Moshe Rabbeinu meant in this Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim? You're not allowed to have an uncircumcised person, but in the future you can. Is that what he meant? Again, we we quote this pasuk vavata et avoda azot b'chodesh azeh that we assume. For everything, unless there's a specific exception, we assume that all rules that apply to the Pesach of Mitzrayim apply to the Pesach in the future, and that includes uncircumcised people cannot eat. Ela bo lamali, bo eno ochel, aval ochel to tell you that if a guy who didn't have a circumcision comes, he doesn't have the Korban Pesach, but he does eat matzah maror. He'll eat the other things. He just can't eat. That's why it says bo, lo yochal bo. that's true. What about the fact that it says, that a ben necharon. What's the correct pasuk? Quotes on the side. The correction here, right? But the the correct pasuk is kol ben nechal yochal right? Okay. So that not vechol. Kol ben nechal yochal A non-Jew is not allowed to eat it. So the hachanami de boy no ochel aval ochel bepesach lidorot. Does that mean that Moshe Rabbeinu was telling them that he can't that you can't invite your Egyptian neighbor over to eat the korban pesach in Mitzrayim? But in the future, non-Jew you could invite. Amar kravavata. Again, we have this pasuk vavata et avoda hazot bechodesh hazeh. You have to do the same service we did in Egypt in the future. You can't change the rules. Ela bo lamali bo. Right, meaning hamarat dat poselet ve'en hamarat dat poselet betruma. What it's telling you is that if a person changes their religion, okay, ben nechar doesn't just mean a non-Jew. It means somebody who has become alien to Hashem, meaning their beliefs. They no longer are a believer in Hashem. They don't believe in Torah. They don't believe in Hashem. Rashi says she nitnakruma savla aviv sheba shemaim. His his actions have become alienated from God. Okay, so that means that uh, if a person has be- doesn't believe in Hashem, he rejects Hashem or he rejects the mitzvot, he's not allowed to eat in Korban Pesach, even if he's Jewish. A Jewish person. Yeah, even a Jewish person, right? But the en hamarat dat poselet b'tshuma, meaning if a Kohen doesn't believe in God, he could eat the tshuma. He doesn't believe in so he could he could be a heretic. He could eat the truma. That there's no there's no concept that a kohen can eat a truma because of his beliefs. 
But Korban Pesach, yes. There's a reason why the Torah has to address both the uncircumcised and the person who doesn't believe. Because if the Torah just told you that an uncircumcised person can't eat from Korban Pesach, because it's something that's considered like a moom almost. It's something distasteful that he's uncircumcised. It's negative. But we don't consider a person who has wrong beliefs to be distasteful. It's just, uh, you know, there's nothing disgusting about it, nothing lowly about it. And Amalo, you'll think that. Uh, Maybe he could eat from the korban. So tzricha, that's why you need to mention that he also can't. And if we knew that the person who doesn't believe is not allowed to have korban Pesach, it's because his heart is not with Hashem. But you could have a person who's uncircumcised because he wasn't allowed to get circumcised because he has hemophilia. Or he has, you know, the, the case that they have in the Gemara is always that his brothers died from having a brit milah. So they saw there's a genetic issue. So they wouldn't circumcise the kid. There's nothing wrong with him. It just means that he, he he's a believing in Hashem, but he's not allowed to have a circumcision for medical reasons. Medical reasons, okay? So, Emalo, you might think that person should be allowed to eat the Korban. So, Tzricha, that's why we see that you can't. Now, therefore, now, according to Rashi, this part, this ensuing part here, is not really, shouldn't really be here, because it's it's uh, actually repetitive. Um, he said, but we'll read it. But actually, Rashi says it should, shouldn't even be here, because it's, it, it's not really, part, because it doesn't really... Uh, Go anywhere. But Elamayata, if that's true, Toshav Zachelo Yochalbo, it says that the person who works for you cannot eat in the Quran Pesach, Achanami, Debohu, Enochel, Aval Ochelo, Bapesach, Dorod. Does that mean that the guy who is the non Jewish worker or resident is allowed to eat in the future Pesach? He's just not allowed to eat the Pesach in Mitzrayim. That's why it says, Vavata, you have to do the same way that you did in Egypt, you do in the future. Same exact thing we just said before. That's why Rashi seems to say that's not really, it's just a, it doesn't belong in the Gemara. It's just saying the same thing, that it tells you that a person's beliefs affect whether they're allowed to eat from the Korban Pesach, but they don't affect whether the person is allowed to eat from Chuma. Now, it says, if you have somebody who's uncircumcised, circumcise him and then he can eat from it. Does that mean, again, that if you have an obligation, now, means that the person who... Uh, uh, that you have to circumcise the person in order to allow him to eat from the Korban Pesach. So does that mean that, uh, that, that in the future Pesach he'd be allowed to eat from a Korban Pesach? It says, Amarka Vavata. It says, we, we know that Vavata, we know the rule that, uh, you, that the Korban Pesach of the future has to be the same as Mitzrayim. Ela bo lam ali bo milat zcharav vavadav me'akevet vimilat zcharav vavadav me'akevet b'tshuma. What it, it's telling you another thing. Umaltauto az yochal bo means that if you have somebody in your household who's uncircumcised, you also can't eat from the Korban Pesach. In other words, one of your avadim or a child who wasn't circumcised and was supposed to be um, and you neglected to do it. So as long as an obligation of Brit Milah is on your head for any reason in your house, you're not allowed to eat Korban Pesach. That's so it's saying that that's the, that's umalta oto az yochalbo, meaning that you have to circumcise him not only for him to eat it, but we learned that also for your, yourself to eat it. That's true for Korban Pesach, but not true for, for Truma. So even though an uncircumcised person cannot eat uh, Truma, if he has avadim or something like that that are not circumcised, he doesn't have to abstain from Truma. But it doesn't mean that in the future Pesach, an uncirc- a person with uncircumcised members of his household could eat from Truma or could eat from uh, Korban Pesach or an uncircumcised person could eat from uh, Korban Pesach at all. It just means that... um 
It's telling you another halacha that you're responsible also for the members of your household when it comes to the Brit Milah, not just for yourself. Okay, now again, because that's the Pasuk that refers to Pesach Rishon. Right? That you don't break the bone of the Pesach Rishon. Again, that's Moshe Rabbeinu telling them not to break a bone of the Korban Pesach if they're having an Egypt. Does that mean that they're allowed to bring the, break the bone of, Korban, of the Korban Pesach that they eat in the future? No. Right? Uh, so it says again, the Torah tells us that we treat this Korban Pesach in the future just the way we did in Mitzrayim. There's no new halachot. So what is it coming to tell you when it says, Bo, don't break any bones in it. In it meaning, in seemingly means, in it meaning only in the one in Egypt. No, it doesn't mean that. It means, that there's no rule of breaking the bones if the Korban Pesach is pasul. Maybe the fact that it says don't eat it raw or partially cooked, right? Uh, that says mimenu from it, and that's Moshe Rabbeinu talking to them when they're in Egypt. So maybe that rule that you're not allowed to eat from a korban pesach when it's raw or partially cooked is talking about uh, in the. Uh, it's talking about only in Egypt uh, because it says mimenu from it. It says, uh, but it says amarka what do we do at the Pasuk Vavadta that you have to have the same Koban Pesach in the future that you had in Lamali. So then what do you need that Mimenu from the Kid Rabbi Yitzchak? Like what Rabbi Yitzchak told you. That Rabbi Yitzchak said that, you're, that a person, that just as a person is, that that's to make a Shava actually, Rashi says, that it says Mimenu with Koban Pesach and it says Mimenu with ma'aser, to tell you that ma'aser sheni cannot be eaten by an uncircumcised person, just like uh, Korban Pesach can't be eaten by an uncircumcised person. Now, what's the whole point of these, all these drashot here? Basically, to summarize very simply, that uh, the general, what the Gemara is trying to say is, w- what the Gemara is saying is that once you start to peel away and separate Pesach Mitzrayim from Pesach Torot and say, well, there are actually differences, there are a few differences, that, that you know, and there's a reason for those differences, right? So then it opens up a whole be- Pandora's box. So where does the... Where, where did the differences end? I mean, how, if you're going to tell me that any time it sounds like something is very specific, like it says, um, you should take b'chodesh hazeh. Hazeh means no, only Pesach Mitzrayim. Well, there's a lot of things in the description of the Pesach that was done in Mitzrayim where it says hazeh, this one, or it says mimenu, from it. So are you going to say every time it says hazeh, every time it says mimenu, every time it says bo, something that means it. Right, something it means it specifically. It means to exclude this rule from future pesachim. That would exclude almost half the rules that we have about korban pesach. So it's saying no. The general rule is that you have to make it exactly like pesach mitzrayim. And each one of these times that the pasuk seems to be emphasizing this one or in this or something like that about the pesach that was done in Egypt, it's not to tell you that this law is only related to the pesach in Egypt and not to the pesach in the future. It's to tell you. You that these laws, uh, it's to tell you something else. It's to expand the law or apply the law to a different context or, you know, or resolve some other problem that you might have had. But it's not to tell you that it doesn't apply to future psachim. That's the main point of this old Gemara. So that's why the only real rules that are different are the rules of how the blood was applied to the door and how they, you, don't, you had to purchase it on a certain day and how you had to eat it with your clothes on and all that, you know, ready to go out. With, you know, those are the only things. Everything else, we go by the rule. You should do exactly what we did in Egypt. In the future, all the laws are going to be the same. Now, they how can, can we do apply about to, to other stuff to do? Huh? How, how can we do apply about to, to other stuff? Well, he's saying basically everything else. 
what, everything else is an exception to the general rule. You shouldn't think that the rule is that they're different and wherever they're similar, that's when we're going to apply the rule of Pesach Mitzrayim to the future. There's only a few differences between them. Everything else is the same. That's what it's saying. Now, now, v'nechal b'chipazon binalan, d'amarkav achaltem oto b'chipazon. Oto nechal b'chipazon v'nechal nechal b'chipazon. It says, it should be eaten in a hurry. That time they had to eat it in a hurry, but in the future you don't have to eat it in a hurry. Of course, everyone wants to hurry and get to the eating. <coughs> but that's not eating in a hurry. That's a different thing. Right now it's, now it's v'tikra oto b'chipazon. You have to read b'chipazon and v'tokhal, you can take as long as you want. That's an amazing thing. First, oh, it's so late, read faster, but then as soon as you get to the meal, six hours goes by, you say, oh, we have to do the afikoman. Nobody noticed that it's six hours. It's like, before it was so late, let's hurry. What happened? That's true, you're supposed to. You're supposed to. Yeah. Anyway, so the Bezach Dorot Noi Koshiva. So it says the Bezach Dorot is all seven days. What are the Bezach Dorot all seven days? It's not true. I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? Ilema Pesach. What's the Koshiva Mika? Well, the Korban Pesach is not seven days. No, it's Korban Pesach for seven days. What are you talking about? Ela Chametz. Really, the only thing at seven days is the prohibition of Chametz. I can't be talking about the Korban Pesach. So that's true. We call it the Bezach Mitzrayim. Laila Echad Vetulo. And you're telling me that that means that it says that Pesach Noi Koshiva means in the Mishnah when it says the Pesach of the future is seven days, it means the prohibition of Chametz is seven days and it was only one night in Egypt. But that's not true. It was an entire day that they didn't have Chametz. Because it says in the Pesukim that we all know because we read them in the Tefillin every day. Right after it says Meaning that according to Rabbi Yossi there was a full day. Not only the night before did they not eat Chametz, they also didn't eat Chametz during the day. So it wouldn't be correct to say that in Mitzrayim they ate it, they they observed the prohibition of chametz only one night as opposed to the seven days that we observe. That's not correct because actually they observed it for a full day. Rather, what the fact that the Pesach Mitzrayim was eaten in one night is true also for the future. That's not a difference between the two. However, the but what is different is that the, the, the prohibition of chimutz was for the whole day. In other words, chimutz was an entire day starting from that night through the next day. Pesach starts with that night and goes for seven days. So that's the difference between the two. Now the Mishnah says, There are certain situations where a Tumorah Pesach can be offered and certain situations where a Tumorah Pesach cannot be offered. And I don't know the reason behind it. Now, we learned in Masechet Tumorah we remember the Torah tells us you're not allowed to do Tumorah. Tumorah means to take a, an animal that was already consecrated as a korban of any sort, a shlamim, uh, uh, an ola, whatever, and to take another animal and say, you know what, I don't want this animal to be the korban. I feel bad. I, I want to have it for dinner instead. I'm going to say that this other korban, that B, becomes the shlamim. And I'm going to take the holiness off of A and put it on B. Even if now, it's uh, What? Even if the new one that you want. It doesn't matter. Better. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. Right? It doesn't matter which way you go. The Torah says either way you go, whether you, even if you think you're upgrading, it doesn't remove the kedusha from the original one. And now you have a double. You have the original shlamim, let's say, and then you have an extra shlamim that you also have to offer as a shlamim and too bad for you. Now you have the double, right? You're, now, the only time you can't do it is like a chatat, for example. You can't do that because you can't make another chatat. It will make it, it will, it, you, you won't be able to offer the tumorat chatat. But the, the point is that if you have a tumorat pesach, if you take a pesach and say, this is a tumorat, I want to make this a tumorat, so what happens? <clears throat> now you have two pesachim, but what happens to that second pesach is it basically becomes a shlamim because there's no such thing as having more than one pesach. Okay? Well, to somebody else, <clears throat> 
they have to con- you have to consecrate it as a as a korban pesach, not as a tamura. You can't ex- you can't pull the kedusha from one to make another. That's the idea. Now, in th- so he says, I heard that sometimes you can offer it and sometimes you can't offer it. Meaning sometimes you can actually use the korban, the tamura that you made, like you normally do. If you take a shlamim and you make a tamura, you offer it. Other times, no, you have to leave it till it gets a mum. And then you take the money and you buy something else. Okay, so he says, I heard that there's two possibilities. I don't know which is which. Rabbi Akiva said, "Amar Rabbi Akiva, and yeah, I'll explain to you." A pesach shemitzah kodesh shchita the pesach yirad sheistayvi machiv yavi b'demav shlamim vechint muato. A chash shchita the pesach kerev shlamim vechint muato. So he says, "I'll explain to you what the deal that if you, let's say a person had a korban pesach and they lost it, and in the meantime they went and got another korban pesach." And they're about to offer the new Korban Pesach when, lo and behold, the original one shows up. So, and instead of using the original one, they use the new one. They decide, you know what, I like this new one better, it looks tastier, it looks better, whatever. They decide to use that one. What happens to the original one? It's pushed off. It's called Dachui. It's pushed off. Now, what happens to that? What happens to the pushed off one is it was like capable of being used, but it got rejected. So once something is what's called once it's capable of being used and then rejected, so then what we do is we can never offer that as a korban again, but what we do is wait for it to get a mum. It's like a stigma, yeah. So it was rejected. It's a reject. <coughs> so what do we do? We leave it till it gets a mum. We take the money and we buy shlamim. And the same would be true if the situation happened that, you're about to, that you lost your korban Pesach, you're about to offer Pesach number two, and you find the korban Pesach again, and you make a tmura from that korban pesach. Also, you make a, you make another one out of it, and then you still take the new korban pesach. So now you have three animals. Actually, you have the original korban pesach that returned right before you offered the second one, and you made a tmura out, out of it too, right? So those two, since they were uh, capable of being korban pesach, because they actually showed up before the korban pesach was offered, so they are worse. Okay, they are not able to be offered because they were rejected. However, if you lost your original Korban Pesach and then you went and offered one as substitute, which is what you had to do because you didn't know what happened to the original one, and then lo and behold, the, the original one shows up after you already offered the new one. But it wasn't really rejected. You just didn't have it. It can't take it personally. <laughs> right? It's like, a, it's like a, it's a, one thing if someone turns you down for something. It's another thing if they don't know what happened to you so they had to get somebody else. You know, that's it's different. So that, that's the, um, it wasn't a rejection. So there, the animal and its tamura will be offered because there was nothing wrong with it. Now, obviously not offered as a Pesach because you already offered a Pesach. Offered as a Shlamim. Okay? Now, the, uh, the Gemara says, Ma Pesach Pesach Why do you have to even bring in the idea of a tamura here? Just talk about the Pesach, whether it could be brought or not. Why, why is he talking specifically about a, about a uh, tamura? So it says, um, because kamashmalan pesach that you see that there is such a thing as a tmurata pesach that can't be offered. Now, why is that a chidush? Rashi explains why. Because you might have thought that look, the reality is a tmurat pesach is never going to be offered. Was it really rejected? No, because a tmurata pesach is never going to be offered. It's always just going to become a shlamim, no matter what. You knew that even when the original korban pesach comes back and you, you decided to make a tmurat out of it. Okay, that tmura that you made never had the chance to actually be a korban pesach. It always just would have been a shlamim. So maybe we won't consider it rejected. And even if the korban pesach, the original one, came back before you offered the second one, okay, and you made the tmura with it, you could say, well, that tmura never had a chance anyway to really be a korban pesach. So it's not really being rejected when I choose the other one. It just uh, it is what it is. 
So the answer is no. It also will be rejected because since it's deriving its kedusha from the korban pesach that is rejected, the original one comes back and you still reject it. It's like let's say you had a girlfriend and. Uh, and she d- goes off and, you know, you, you don't know what happened to her. So you get another girlfriend and you're about to get married to this new girlfriend. And the original one comes back and says, no, I object. I want you to mar-. It happens in the movies all the time, right? No, I want, I want you to marry me. And you say, nope, I like this one better. That's rejected, right? Mm-hmm. If she shows up after the wedding, it's too late. Right, but yeah, <laughs> you know, no, maybe she's related. Maybe she's the sister. I don't know. Maybe it's still too late. I don't know. Point is, it could be too late. Could be too late, right? That's what it's saying. It's not a rejection if she didn't show up or if she showed up afterwards. Not reje- she can't take it personally. It's a rejection if she shows up first. Okay? So now, Gemara says, This whole thing is based on when you actually offered the Korban Pesach. In other words, your Korban Pesach went missing. You now offered another one and then the original one shows up. You can't really say that was rejected. It wasn't around. So it becomes a Shlamim, you bring it as a Shlamim. But if it came before you brought your new Korban Pesach, okay, and then you decided not to take it, that's a rejection. And since you rejected it, it becomes, it's type of stigma. Like the doctor said, it's a type of stigma. And now you can't use it anymore. Rabbi Zerah says it doesn't have to do with when you actually brought the Korban Pesach. It has to do with when the time for the Korban Pesach came. Whether it was before midday or after midday. Meaning when it showed up. If it showed up and it was already past 12 o'clock. Okay, it's not considered a rejection that you already went and got another Korban Pesach. Even though it's, it's there when you go and you bring the new Korban Pesach. It, it doesn't matter. It was gone until the last minute and you didn't know it was going to show up. Uh, but if it came in the morning and you still decided not to use it, that would be a rejection. It, it goes by the timing. It doesn't, and if you want to use the same analogy as before, it's like if you, if you are just dating another girl and your girl, original girlfriend comes back, so that's a different story. You can break up with a new girlfriend and go back to her. But if you're engaged already, right, it's the day of the wedding. So even though you didn't actually marry the girl yet, but it's the day of the wedding and the girlfriend comes back, it's a little bit different than, yeah. uh, than, than if she came there back six months ago. You know? So that's what he's saying. He's saying it's the timing that makes a difference. And, um, and, and it's, it's not considered a rejection if the korban shows up in the afternoon. Even though you still go ahead and use the new korban that you selected. Okay? What about the fact that it says kodem shechita? It specifically says before the slaughtering of the Pesach. That really just means before the time of the Pesach, not before the actual shechita of the Pesach. And in fact, we see that it's actually a machloket tanaim, katanae. A pesach, you name ta kodem shkita, you elacha shkita yikrab. Ravi Eliezer Omer, kodem chatzot, you elacha chatzot yikrab. It's actually a machloket tanaim. First tana says it goes by when you actually offered it. Okay? In other words, did the girlfriend show up? Before the wedding or after the wedding? That's the only thing we care about. If she showed up before the wedding, even though you haven't, even though it's the wedding day, it doesn't matter. You should have, you know, if you really wanted her, you would have called it off. You, you, and so therefore you rejected her, right? It goes by the actual moment of truth of the wedding. And so too, the shechita. Or does it go by the timing? She shows up on the wedding day, right? She show, or the korban pesach comes back in the afternoon. It's already the afternoon. I already made a commitment to a new Korban, it's not a rejection of the original one if I don't use it. So therefore, that means it wasn't rejected. And therefore, afterwards, I can bring it as a shlamim if I want to. Yeah. So, Korban, the first one shows up on time. Right. Before Shkita. Right. Meanwhile, you have a second one assigned. Right. And you do the Shkita on the first one. What happened to the second one? The second one becomes what's called Motara Pesach. It's an extra. So it becomes a shlamim. shlamim. It becomes well, a shlamim. Because it was only brought as a substitute anyway. So it's not really considered a rejection. You have to do, do Shkita on it. 
You'll eventually make it a shlamim. Yeah, you'll make it a shlamim after Pesach and Mishlam. Or during the Yom Tov or whenever. Yeah, so now it says, Achar Shechita the Pesach Yavi Shlamim. So Amar Avar, Lo Shanu Ela Shenimta Achar Shechita Ve'emirbo Achar Shechita. This is all true only if everything happened after the Shechita. Meaning, the Korban, the original Korban came back after the Shechita and you did the Temura after the Shechita. Aval Nimta Kodem Shechita Ve'emirbo Achar Shechita Temurato Mikoch Tushat Uchuya Ka'ata. Ve'lo Karva. He says, if the animal was found before the Shechita is all we care about. The, if the Korban Pesach came back before you brought the substitute and you still brought the substitute anyway, even though it was the only later that you did a Tzmura and you decided to extend the Kedushah of that original Korban Pesach onto another animal, since the original animal was a rejected animal, the Tzmura is also rejected. Even though it didn't even have any Kedushah at the time that the Shechita of the Pesach happened. Because in the, the animal came back at 12 o'clock okay. or 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Just to make it simple, right? You, didn't do, you decided, you know what? I already picked another animal. I'm going to go with the other animal. Okay? So it becomes rejected. So that korban now could never be brought. You would have to leave it to be, get a moon and then you redeem it. You take the money. Right. However, now you say, you know what? I want to do an, since I feel bad that I, I don't know what the guy's thinking, but, you know, I'm going to make a tzmura from this also. I'm going to double up, you know, on the korban. I'm going to make another one. So he makes a tzmura out of it. So you might say, well, since the tzmura was only created after the korban Pesach was brought, it was never tzmura? rejected. He, he goes uh, on the third animal? Yeah, he goes on a third animal. So he says, well, uh, here's my, I don't know why he would do that, but he takes the original korban Pesach, which now is rejected because he brought his second one. He's like, what? And he takes a third animal. He says, you know what? I'm going to take this original Korban Pesach. And I'm gonna, I, I want to remove the... Uh, you know, I decided I just want to keep it already. Uh, maybe he thinks he can keep it, right? He says, I, I just want to keep it already because I didn't use it for Korban Pesach. I'm just going to put the Kedushah on this other animal. Right now, what ends up happening is he doubles up the Kedushah. But the difference is that he didn't do the whole process before the Shechita of the Korban Pesach. The animal came back. The animal number one came back before animal number two was slaughtered. But animal number three wasn't even in the picture until later. So do we say that the fact that animal number one was rejected because it came back before animal number two was slaughtered. So it was rejected. So therefore, when I take, create a derivative of animal number one, it's also considered rejected. Or do I say, no, since the derivative one was only created afterwards, that derivative one didn't even exist as a korban at the time the korban Pesach was brought. It was never rejected by anything, so why should it be considered rejected? He says, no, because since animal number one was considered rejected, Anything you derive from animal number one is also rejected. It's a copy and paste, right. right, you copy and a paste basically, right? So, what, now. What number three so then number three also you have to wait till it gets a moon and then take the money and then give. You and won't be able to give it. Two stays number two the... also is rejected. So it has to, same thing, you have to wait till it gets what? a moon. In other words, he's saying what that... Does he eat at night? He had number, number two. Yes. Korban number two oh, number was two brought. Stays. Right. Is the, oh, is the, is the, that's why Korban number one became rejected because he decided on Korban, Korban number two. And then they, they made Shechita number two and afterwards he decided to go on... Do Tumuran made a third one. Brings right. a third one in. One. Right. So oh. since number one was already rejected so now number three is considered rejected. Exactly. Now, it was, uh, you know, so that, so Edive Abaye Abaye says, no, Im Keves Matumodamak. It says Im Keves. When it talks about the different kinds of Shlamim you could bring, it says Im Keves. Now it should be obvious since it talked about Tzon. It talked about the flocks, and it mentions an, a goat, so when it mentions uh, the first thing, it doesn't have to mention that it's a sheep, because that's the only possibility. So, im keves is considered extra. So, im keves It's to teach you that if you make a tmura of your korban Pesach, after Pesach, 
it can be brought as a shlamim. So echidami, what's the case? So if the, if we're talking about a case where the original korban pesach animal number one got lost, and and then you brought animal number two, then animal number one came back a day later. I'm just you know or whatever. So and then you made animal number three with it. So there, of course, the animal number one becomes a shlamim because it was never rejected. It just wasn't there at the time that you brought korban pesach. Right? And so therefore animal number three also isn't considered rejected. That's obvious. Rather, it must be talking about, says Abaye, a case where you found the Korban Pesach before you did the Shechita. And therefore animal number one was rejected because you decided to stick with animal number two anyway. And then after the Korban Pesach was brought, you extended it, you created an animal number three. And yet it still says it could be brought as a Shlamim. The Gemara says, no, look. Really, it's talking about where the animal came back after the shechita. He did the whole thing after the animal already came back. And after the shechita was already done. That pasuk is not really teaching you a halacha about the, about the, uh, the, the extra Pesach. It's, uh, it's known already that that's what you would do. You would bring it as a shlamim. So now, so what's really the meaning of the Pasuk then? The reason why you need the word Kesev is to tell you that a Korban Pesach that is brought from a sheep, you have to put the tail on the Mizbeach because it doesn't ever tell you which parts of the Korban Pesach go on the Mizbeach. So it's telling you that just like a Shlamim, the fatty tail of the sheep goes on the Mizbeach. Same is true for the Korban Pesach, right? Um, it's to tell you that if a Pesach passed its year, meaning you weren't able to bring it in time, it, it got lost and then it came back later, and then and now it's too old to be a Korban Pesach because it passed its year already, it aged out, or you consecrated it not realizing the age, it aged out, whatever, it got too old, you bring it as a Shlamim. Or a Shlamim that comes, Mechamat Pesach, which means either that the Korban Pesach was, uh, this is the Korban Shlamim that goes along with the Pesach, or it's, a, or it's a situation where a Korban Pesach turns into a Shlamim. Either way, what it tells you is that that all the mitzvot of shlamim apply to it. it. You need to lean on it. You need to bring the uh, flour and wine with it. You need to wave the breast and the leg. In other words, you might think that a korban pesach that becomes a shlamim for whatever halachic reason because it became obs- obsolete. Okay, not a rejected one because a rejected one you wouldn't bring as a shlamim like we said. But in any other case where it gets old, it's too old or whatever, you know, you, you, it, it didn't come back in time and you picked another one. When it becomes a shlamim, you still have to do all the mitzvot of shlamim on the Korban Pesach. You don't say, well, a, a Korban Pesach wouldn't have nisachim. You don't bring any extra flour or uh, wine with it. You don't, sh- you don't wave any parts of it. You don't do any of that stuff. So maybe I don't have to do, you, know, you don't have to lean on a Korban Pesach. So maybe I don't have to do that if it becomes a shlamim. You say, no, once it becomes a shlamim, it becomes a real shlamim. And then, and then it talks about what happens if you use a goat. Now this is actually talking about a shlamim, but you obviously don't put the tiny little goat tail on there, right, exactly. So it's telling you that even that there's a difference between what animal you use, because you might think that once for the, for the sake of the sheep, you have to use the tail, so maybe you have to use it for all shlamim, and it's telling you that you don't have to, okay? That's, that's not a difference, it's just, yeah, basically, yeah. Sometimes the Torah does that, the Tanakh does that, it was switches words. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know the reason. But now, 
There are some who apply this to the first case of the Mishnah. It says that if the, the Pesach was found before the Shechitan, meaning this animal number one, comes back before animal number two is slaughtered, that you have to leave it on that in that case... Uh, to get a moon, because since you actually rejected it, it was there and you went with animal number two anyway, right? This is exactly the opposite of what he said before. What he said before was, all we care about is when animal number one comes back. If animal number one comes back before the Shechita of the Pesach, it's a rejected animal. And therefore, even if you make a tmurah from that animal, you derive another sanctity of another animal from that animal, later on, yep. it doesn't matter. The rejected status will go to every animal that you apply to. This is saying, no, the opposite. Saying only if the korban Pesach came back, animal number one came back before you brought animal number two, and you made the tmurah before you made animal number two, meaning that that tmurah was also rejected because it was also around when you brought the korban Pesach. Okay, that's the only time. But if you did, if, if animal number one came back before the Korban Pesach and therefore it became rejected because you decided to use animal number two and then later on you made a Tmurah from animal number one to animal number three, it was never rejected because it wasn't around at that time and so therefore it's grandfathered in and it, it has its own status and it could be brought as a Shlamim. That's what Ravah is saying now. The opposite of what he said before. It doesn't go by when animal, that animal number one was rejected and therefore anything that comes from animal number one will be rejected forever. It's that animal number one will only create another reject if it's also created before the rejection happens. Okay? All, meaning before the animal number two is offered. And here, because the Korban Pesach, the bringing of animal number two, only invalidates something that was around at that time. But something that wasn't around at that time as a Korban won't be invalidated and made rejected. So now Abaye objects again. To tell you, what does the word imkesev tell you? That, you, that even a, a Pesach that is an extension from an original Pesach, after Pesach it can be brought as a shlamim. You might think that you could do that even before Pesach. Meaning that if, the, that if you found the Korban Pesach before, before the bringing animal number two. And then you made a Tmurah that even that could be brought. No. That's why it says Tamu Lamar. Who? Who? There's some cases where you can and some cases where you can't. So what's the case? Now, if you're going to tell me that we're talking about where the animal number one was found before, the, before you brought animal number two. And not only that, but you also created an animal number three's kedusha before animal number two was offered. So they were both standing right there. And you still brought animal number two. They're both rejected. That's obvious that they're no good. Right? So that can't be. Rather, what is the Brighta telling you? It's telling you that if animal number one came back before you slaughtered animal number two, but you didn't do anything. So animal number one became rejected. And then afterwards, you extended animal number one and you created animal number three. After the shechita. Even there, you can't bring that Tmurah as a Shlamim. Rather, you have to leave it to get a mum and you have to take the money. Why? Because it derived its Kiddushah from a rejected Kiddushah. That's Tiyuvta Doravat Tiyuvta. That is a decisive refutation of the second version of Rava. That the, basically what we're saying is that we're, we're going with the first side of Rava. That is, once animal number one becomes rejected, anything that comes from, anything derived from that rejected Kiddushah is going to likewise be considered rejected Kiddushah. 
and, uh, and not be able to be offered as a korban. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you just get off scot-free. It means that you have to leave that animal number three also until it develops a mum. You have to take the money and you don't have to buy a korban pesach. You buy a shlamim with the money. But you can't offer the korban itself because once it's rejected, it's a type of stigma. And even if you derive from animal one, number one to animal number three, it's still going to be, a st- that stigma is going to be carried even to the next animal. Right. Okay. One of the three doesn't make a difference. Exactly. It's going to go on forever.